as we step onto the scene of Scripture this morning, we find ourselves standing some 15 miles southwest of Jerusalem. We're standing in a place known as Paz Damim. As you read your Bible, it's also called Ephes Damim and literally means the boundary of blood. It was labeled as such because due to the high mountains on both sides in the valley of Elah that runs in between, it became a perfect place for many battles to be fought. As a matter of fact, some 15 years ago, it was here that a young man by the name of David took a powerful stand against a giant named Goliath saying, This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. For the battle is the Lord's. He will give you into our hands. May I say that's exactly what happened here in this place. Here in Pazdamim, David ran into that battle armed with only a sling and a few stones. Put his hand into his bag. He, he took out a stone. He, he slang it and he smote Goliath in his forehead. The Bible says, and he fell upon his face to the earth. David then ran to Goliath's side and took Goliath's own sword and cut off Goliath's head and presented it to King Saul. Oh, what a day of victory. It wasn't just a day of victory. It was a day of empowerment as the power of God was seen through the faith of a little shepherd boy. By the way, that's what God still desires today. He desires to take the faith of you and I and to, to use our faith that He is able to accomplish the impossible, that He's able to do that which we can't. He wants to take our faith and demonstrate His power to a world that doesn't know Him, but that desperately needs to know Him. You see, that day when David slew Goliath, the nation of Israel rose up again with great vigor and strength and courageously pursued the Philistines once again claiming this very land for the nation of Israel. The land that God had promised and given them His Word that it was their inheritance. Oh, but the reality is that much has changed since that day. Yes, it was a day of victory. But you see, beginning on that day, something began to swell up in the heart of King Saul. As David began to fight and win battle after battle and lead armies, Saul's jealousy of David continued to fester and grow. Up to the point that the Spirit of the Lord left King Saul. And for the bigger portion of eight years, Saul pursued David to take David's life. To say that King Saul was distracted would be an understatement. With his distraction, 
The Philistines saw an opportunity to, to once again come against Israel, and they did. And the truth is, this time was different. Saul and his sons were heading into battle. The Bible tells us that Saul himself was struck with an archer's arrow. Knowing that his light was soon to end and not wanting it to be taken by the Philistines, Saul begged his armor bearer to take out his sword and to take King Saul's life. His armor bearer wouldn't do it. And King Saul would take out his own sword and fall on his own sword and take his own life. You see, that day, we lost a king. We lost his armor bearer. We lost three sons. Many of our countrymen died in the battle as well. Sad thing is, we lost a lot more than that. You see, as the people of God was watching from the city, and they saw in the distance on the horizon the battle taking place, and they saw that King Saul and his sons had died, fear began to strike their heart. And in fear, they left the cities. They ran for fear of their life. And the Philistines very quickly came in and took land and ground that belonged to the people of God. Once again, the enemy was dwelling within the borders of the nation of Israel. We come to First Chronicles chapter 11. David is now 30 years of age. And for the past seven and a half years, David has filled the position as king of Judah. Word came to David that Saul's life had been taken. David's heart was broken. Yeah, King Saul had sought his life, but as David said, that was God's anointed. And then David heard that his best friend, Jonathan, his life also was taken. David was heartbroken. He was heartbroken for the loss that had taken place, the loss of life and the loss of land that God had promised them. It bothered David that, that things weren't the way God designed for them to be, that they weren't where they should be, that the people of God had given ground over to the enemy that was supposed to be claimed for them. He longed to see the power of God. May I say from that very moment things begin to change. You see, word has it that a meeting has been called in a place named Hebron. You see, Hebron was where David had chosen to serve as his base of operations. The meeting has been called between David and the leaders of the other 11 tribes. Word has it that the crown and the bracelet that King Saul wore to signify his authority and his reign has been carried to that meeting. As these tribes begin to get together, they begin to follow the leadership of God. As Samuel had said so many years prior that David was to be king and they anointed David as king of the nation of Israel. And for the first time in a while, the nation of Israel had been unified under one leader. That of King David. David's first order of business as we come to First Chronicles chapter 11 
is to leave Hebron and make his way into Jerusalem, there where the Jebusites dwelled. And the Jebusites lived, and he pushed his, his way up the mountain, and he fought against the pressures, and he captured the castle of Zion, the city of David, and began to dwell there. Immediately, David began to restore the city of Jerusalem. But not just the city of Jerusalem. He began to build up even all the way to Milo and several places around the city of Jerusalem. He wanted it saved. He wanted it prepared. He wanted to restore it to its glory. He wanted God to dwell there and the presence of God to rule and reign within the midst of His people. David knew that if this change were to last, that he would need to place some men in leadership, in authority, military men, men of might, men of war, men of strength, men of power, men of courage. When we come to First Chronicles in chapter number 11, that's what we find here. David is, is beginning to instill certain men in those leadership qualities and positions. Who is it that David will choose? Look with me as we begin our reading in verse number 10. These also are the chief of the mighty men whom David had, who strengthened themselves with him in his kingdom and with all Israel to make him king. According to the word of the Lord concerning Israel, and this is the number of the mighty men whom David had, Jeshabim and Hachmanite, the chief of the captains, He lifted up his spear against 300 slain by him at one time. And after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, who was one of the three mighties. He was with David at Pazdemim. And there the Philistines were gathered together to battle where was a parcel of ground full of barley. And the people fled from before the Philistines. And they set themselves in the midst of that parcel and delivered it and slew the Philistines The Lord saved them by a great deliverance. So here we are, standing in Pazdemim, in the middle of a barley field. Our thought this morning is simply this. Somebody needs to defend the barley fields. Somebody needs to defend the barley fields. Preacher, what are you talking about? Here we are. Give an insight into the thought process of King David as David began to take these mighty men and put these mighty men into positions of authority that would take and protect the nation and would fight the wars. Begins to give us an idea of what makes these men so great. As we begin to list there, you look in verse number 10 and and, or, or in verse number 11, and we, we find the first man whose name was Jeshabim, and, and my, what a great man he was. The Bible says that he took a, his own spear, and he, and he lifted against 300 people at one time and killed them with a spear in his hand. What a man. That's a man's man. I'm telling you what, you ain't going to see me go into a fight with 300 men with a spear. You say, preacher, what do you want? I want a sniper rifle. I want to be as far away as Putin, not Jeshabim. He was a hand-to-hand combat man. He had his spear and he went into battle and he rose up and took the life of 300 of the enemy at least. I can see why he would be placed 
in that position, that capacity. Secondly, the Bible tells us about this man by the name of Eleazar of Dodo. Boy, what a, what a name, right? Eleazar. Oh, now what is it that makes Eleazar so special? If, if Jeshabim slew 300 men, surely Eleazar did something tremendous. What is it that Eleazar did? Well, the Bible tells us. He said, preacher, what was it that Eleazar did? Can I tell you what Eleazar did? Eleazar defended a barley field. He said, preacher, that's it? That's it. Well, not quite just it. After he defends the barley field, he's going to go down to, to King David, who's, who's hiding at that point in, cave, in the cave of Dulem. And, and David is going to say, oh that, I, oh, that I could taste the waters of the well of Bethlehem. Joshabam and Eleazar and another man by the name of Shammah, we'll get to him in just a moment, they begin to make their way through the Philistine army to go to Bethlehem just to get David a cup of water. That's what Eleazar did. He defended a barley patch, and he brought David a cup of water. I don't know about you, but if I'm going to choose, I'd rather choose Joshabeam than choose Eleazar. <laughs> what is it that made Eleazar so special? Honestly, he defended a barley field. As a matter of fact, I just told you about the third individual named Shammah. The Bible tells us over in 2 Samuel chapter 23 that Shammah himself, what was he great for? What was he known for? Well, Shammah is much like uh, uh, Eleazar. Shammah was known for, for defending a, a, a parcel of lentils. That's what he was known for. As a matter of fact, I started to call this thought this morning, somebody needs to defend the beans and cornbread. Half of you woke up when I said beans and cornbread. Food, 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 food. The rest of you, I lost. And all you're going to be thinking about the rest of the message is beans and cornbread. <laughs> That's all they did. They defended a field of barley and a patch of lentils. And David put these men in as his mighty men. What's so special about the bean and the cornbread? Now I see. The beans and the cornbread were important because if you have the castle but nothing to eat, you ain't going to have the castle long. You're going to run out of steam. You're going to run out of fire. You're going to run out of strength. The disciples, you're not going to take it. So what does David say? David says, I want these men, Eleazar and Shammah, in place. Why? Because they were willing to risk their life for a barley field and a patch of lentils. May I say, barley, you can grow barley just about anywhere. Why would you risk your life for a barley field? Jeremiah puts it this way in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse number 16. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old past, where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls but they said, we will not walk therein. Preacher, what do you say? I'm saying 15 years ago, David stood on this very ground and defeated the nation who was scared to death of a man by the name of Goliath. He said this. He said, is there not a cause? He yelled at Goliath and said, this day, God's going to give me victory so that all the world may know that there is a God in Israel. 
And yet now, notice with me in the passage here. The Bible says, verse 13, He was with David at Pazdemim, and there the Philistines were gathered together to battle. Where was a parcel of ground full of barley? And what's the Bible say? And the people fled from before the Philistines. Here was ground that had been won, and the enemy's coming in, so we're going to attack you. And they came for a barley field. You know what the people did? The people said, well, you know, that barley field's not really that important. Eh, that barley field's not, not really valuable. It's not really significant. We can, we can give up that little patch of barley, and we'll still be okay. We'll still have something to stand on. We'll be fine. We're just going to run and not fight the battle for the barley field. But you know what? The Bible says that David and Eliezer, you see the passage? It says that Eliezer was with David in Pazdamian. When all this took place, they were there together. Here's David. Here's Eliezer. Probably back to back. You say, why? Because I'd want to know that somebody's got my back. Here's this army coming in. They're fighting strong. They're ready to take over. And two men are standing in a barley field going to fight the enemy. By the way, they win because God gave them the deliverance. But here's what I want you to notice. The Bible specifically says that the people fled. If you're in the habit of marking things in the Word of God, I want to draw your attention to verse number 14 where the Bible says, and they set themselves in the midst of that parcel and delivered it. They set themselves in the midst of that parcel and defended it. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying that field of barley represents something. It represents a battle that was taking place long ago to stand for truth. It was a battle that had been victoriously won, that had served for some 15 years as a testimony to what God can do as God delivers His people from the enemy. God keeps His promises. The people of God said, you know what? God, Your Word isn't enough. It's not valuable enough. We don't want it. You know what we have today? Today, we have a group of people all across this nation. They call themselves Christians, but here's what they do. They go through their life with a spiritual measuring stick. And they begin to measure the truths of the Word of God. And they say, you know what? Eh, that one's not that important. I know that Christians before stood on that, but I don't have to stand on it. It's not that big of a battle. It's not that big of a deal. It's not worth my fight. It's not worth my life. It's not worth me standing for truth. I'll just slide back a little bit. I'll give that ground to the enemy. Christian, can I say something? It's going to get to the point where we've given the enemy so much ground that we ain't got anything left to defend. Listen, I'm talking about key tenets of the faith. We talk about it all the time. Preacher, you say I should read my Bible. Yes, oh, but it's not that important. Yeah, it is that important. The only way you can find strength to live this life pleasing to God is to be in the Word of God. That's what He gave it to you for. Oh, it's not that valuable. Begin talking to our teenagers tonight. We're going to start talking to them about biblical authority. 
Society says this, push back against all authority. Authority is not that important. Yes, authority is important. Why? Because it is God's structure for stability in your life. It is through the authority that God has given in your life that you're going to find strength and power and live a life pleasing to God. But we're saying this, oh, it's not that important. Fight my son all the time about getting his hair cut, keeping his fingernails clipped. You know, my number one line is to him, Josiah, you're not a woman. You're not a girl. You're a boy. You're going to be a man. You're going to have short hair and trent fingernails. And if the shirt has a tail, boy, he's got it. He said, Preacher Wade, I'm saying this. Bible tells me that a man ought to look like a man, ought to talk like a man, ought to walk like a man, ought to carry himself as a man, behave as a man. A woman ought to look like a woman, ought to behave like a woman, dress like a woman, talk like a woman, walk like a woman. There ought to be a difference between a man and a woman. But you know what? Society says, ah, it's not that big of a deal. Yes, it is that big of a deal. Why? Because God gave us His Word. God gave us His truth. And Christians through the year have given their life to defend that truth. And here we are taking our hands off saying, you know what? That barley field is not important enough. That barley field is not, not worth my time. That barley field is not worth... My effort, that barley field is not worth me risking my life over. Oh, can I tell you, we lose the barley fields. We eventually lose the castle. Sunday school, ah, that barley field is not that important. Sunday evening service, ah, I don't have to have that barley field. Those lentils are good. They can can stay. Wednesday night, listen, friend, if you will look at your life, I guarantee you there's some barley patches or some barley fields and, and some lentil patches that you have taken out of your life and you wonder why is it I'm struggling? Why is it the devil seems to keep giving victory in my life? Why do I not seem to have power? It's because you're not defending the barley fields. Preacher, why are the barley fields so important? Can I give you four quick thoughts? Quick, quick. I'll tell you quick. Number one. Somebody needs to defend the barley field because the barley field is important to God. So, preacher, how do you know it? Hey, it is the land of what? Promise. Who gave them the promise? God did. God said, I'm taking you out of Egypt, I'm taking you out of the world, and I'm going to bring you into a land that floweth with milk and honey. Guess what? Pazdemim, that barley field, is a part of that inheritance. And if it's important to God, it ought to be important to you. Here's the problem. We don't spend enough time in our Bible to know what's important to God. We don't know what God wants. We don't know what God desires. May I say this, when you come to a point where you understand that God desires something to be in your life or God desires something to be out of your life, you ought to say, God, I want what you want and because it's important to you, I want to fight for that barley field. Your home's important to God. It ought to be important to you. Your integrity, your character, your morality. It's important to God. It ought to be important to you. This barley field is not just something that is an additional thing to life. It's something that ought to be fought for. It's something that ought to be claimed. Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13, But we are bound to give thanks wholly to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord. Because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Whereunto He called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying God desires some things in your life. And it's time you and I defend the barley field. Because it's important to God. Number two, I told you, move quick. Somebody needs to defend the barley field. Not just because the barley field is important to God, but they ought to defend the barley field because the barley field is important to the devil. You ever thought about that? That barley field that's in your life? God wants it. It's important to God. Because God wants it, it's important to the devil. Think about it. Why did the Philistines come to try to take a barley field? I mean, honestly. Don't you think the Philistines would more want the castle? But they came to the barley field. What was so important about the barley field? Well, the barley field is what God gave them, and the Philistines wanted it. My Bible tells me this in 1 Peter. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Ephesians chapter 4 says this, Neither give place to the devil. Paul tells the Corinthian church not to be ignorant of his devices. Why? Because he is looking to come into your life and take the areas that God wants because they're important to God. He wants Listen, the devil's not your buddy. The devil's not your friend. The devil's not your pal. The devil wants everything in your life that God wants so God can't have it. You know what we do? That barley field's not... Not that important. Satan, you go and have that barley field, you know what he says? Okay. You ever seen an older child play a game with a younger child and the younger child has no idea what they're doing? I mean, none. Bless my daughter's heart. You know, Josiah and Abigail go to play some games, but Abigail doesn't understand what she's doing. And Josiah's playing the game and Abigail will make a move that is... Just It just gives everything over to Josiah. You know what Josiah does? Okay. Sure. I'll take that. Thanks. <laughs> you know? That's what the devil does. The devil's going to apply the pressure. The devil's going to bring in the trials and the temptations. And when you throw your hand back and you say it's not that important, it's not that valuable, the devil says, okay. See, the reality is he's looking for just a little place that he can get into your life, begin to fester and grow and take over, and all he needs is a place to start. When you say that barley field's not worth it, he steps in and takes over that barley field. Before long, you ain't got any bread. Before long, you're struggling to, to live because you haven't been in the sustenance because you gave that ground, that barley field, you gave it over to the enemy. Now I say this morning somebody's got to defend the barley field because the barley field is important to God. Somebody's got to defend the barley field because the barley field is important to the devil. But somebody has got to defend the barley field because the barley field is important to the people. Can I say something? We like to make our life all about ourselves. But God didn't create your life to be all about you. He didn't create you to live and function and operate in isolation. That's not His plan for you. Even from the very beginning of creation, God says, it's not man. It's not uh, good that man be alone. So He brought somebody together. May I say this? 
You need to defend that barley field because somebody else is dependent upon that barley field being there. There's some barley fields in my life that I've determined to fight. My kids are going to be in the house of God as much and as often as they possibly can be. Why? Because it's a barley field that I'm going to defend. Oh, preacher, it's not really that important. Oh, I hope later on you don't regret making that decision. Many of you in this very room whose children are not faithful to the Lord. Many of you whose children have not come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Could it be because we said, eh, that barley field is not important enough to fight. So, old preacher, they make their own decision. Oh, I get that and I understand that. But you know what? I need to defend the barley field so that it's there for them when they need it. There's some decisions you ought to make in your home. There's things that my kids are not going to watch. My kids come to me and say, well, Daddy, so-and-so watches it. He said, what do you tell them? I said, I'm not so-and-so's parent. But in my house, I'm going to defend that barley field. You say, why? Because that barley field's important. It's important because God wants it. It's important because the devil wants it. It's important because the people need it. Now I say fourthly, we're done. Somebody needs to defend the barley field because the barley field's important to me. The Bible talks there in 2 Samuel chapter 17, the great passage of Scripture where David fights Goliath. And it opens by saying that the Philistines had gathered themselves together in a place called Ephesdemim. Preacher, where's that? That's the barley field. The nation of Israel's on one mountain. The Philistines are on the other mountain. They sent Goliath down into the valley. Young David comes out. Wonders why nobody is fighting the giant. The giant's in their land. That's land that God had for them. He said, how do you know that? Because the Bible says that that property belongeth to Judah. Yet the Philistines are there. David says, you know what? God gave that to me. Because God gave that to me, I'm going to go and I'm going to defend that barley field. Preach what you say. I'm saying in our walk with God, God gives us purpose. God puts us exactly where we need to be. He puts us in our barley field. Maybe it's at a jump site. Maybe it's at a schoolhouse. Maybe it's at the church. Maybe it's in a neighborhood. God puts us in our barley field. And that barley field ought to be important to me because that's where God put me. And it's through there that God is going to let all the world know that there is a God. He's alive and He's well. And He's going to do that through me defending my barley field. Let me ask you a question. What truths in your life, what barley field have you determined isn't valuable enough to defend? What patch of lentils have you just said, you know what? Not worth me risking my life over. Devil, you can have that. It's not going to hurt me at all. I say, I don't want to be like the people in the city. And when they looked on the horizon, they saw the Philistines begin to make their way down the horizon. And in fear, fled that city, fled that ground. Said, you know what? Not my responsibility. I want to be like Eliezer, who stood there with David. And fought and fought and fought to defend that barley field. Oh, nobody else may understand. It may not make sense to them. At some point, they're going to be glad I stood 
We fought for that barley field. And I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight. The Bible says they had to pry his fingers. It says his hand clave to the sword. He said, what do you mean? He didn't give up. By the way, the devil is going to keep on coming. He's going to try to wear you down, wear you out, so that you just finally give up without a fight. Eliezer said, not me. I want to defend this barley field. Eliezer, why would you defend the barley field? Because the barley field is important to God. Because the barley field is important to the devil. Because the barley field is important to people. Because the barley field is important to all them. That barley field is important to me. I'm going to keep on swinging, even if that means I've got to go down to defend the barley field. Somebody's got to defend the barley field, or somebody's got to defend the beams and the cornbread.